Excess for Podcasts is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For more podcasts about movies, nostalgia, and pop culture, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Hey everybody and welcome back to X's for Podcast, the show where we take a look at the uncanny X-Men comic book franchise, starting with Giant Size X-Men number one and make our way through the misadventures of Marvel's Merry Mutants. However, we are trying to give the most comprehensive look at the Marvel Universe that we can, starting with 1975. In order to do that and still make sure that we cover the X-Men, we're going to cover the titles they also appear in, such as The Champions. Why are we doing this to you? Because we like you. With me, as always, when we are talking about the champions, is the guy who's going to be covering every step of the way to building X-Factor, my best buddy, my my muscle bro, my partner in champion crime, Kyle. Welcome back, buddy. Hey, how's it going? You know, it's it's going great now that we're back here and trying to knock out the rest of this champion stuff. Mm -hmm. We took some weird little detours, right? We had some fun. Yep. Uh, We read a ton of Beast. We read a ton of Marvel Team-Up. Right now, how were you with Beast and Marvel Team Up? How do you feel being past that? I feel we're making a good advancement in this uh, this uh, murky, swampy story. <laughs> yeah, you know it's murky, swampy, and unfortunately, it didn't get much better. No. Now the. The way we've been covering the comics on the show is we put together a read list that makes sense centering around the titles at the time. With Uncanny X-Men, that's led us to some weird different avenues. We've seen some Iron Fist appearances. We've done a whole lot of Marvel team-up. We've made our way over to Spider-Man a number of times. It's been a lot of fun. The champions, however, are less fun. Whenever the champions appear, it feels like someone's being forced to write them against their will. It's so true. It really comes across, and we're going to be talking about a lot of weird threads that happen with the champions, and a lot of weird ways that this episode marks some heavy inconsistencies with the champions. Now, Kyle, I know that when we did Beast and Amazing Adventures, you and I had theorized it was very possible the Amazing Adventures narrative was cut short, because there's that last issue that has... Beast's origin recut together, and we get no resolution to any of the Beast's stories. Do you remember that? Right. Right. Now, I feel like the champions suffered a similar fate. I feel like a number of these appearances might have been intended for the champions' title, but the champions' very sudden and merciless cancellation really threw it. In fact, the champions was canceled so quickly, a book advertising next month's next issue does not seem to be aware that it would be the final issue. We were referring to the series as an ongoing book at that time. I think they referred to it as a blockbuster book. Oh my god. And just like blockbuster, it went away. It did. Outstayed its welcome. <laughs> so, without taking too much longer, we're going to talk a little bit about a really comprehensive series of issues. Now, the other shows, we tend to do fewer issues at a time. We try to keep it to a slightly more reasonable number, but with the Champions, the first time we tried to do the first episode, after six issues, which is roughly the first arc, we literally just didn't have enough good things to say, and we felt like that episode was a little too negative, so we went back and we redid it with ten issues and at least laughed a little more. That we did. Oh, we laughed so much more. (laughs) Because seven through ten are ludicrous. They're supposed to be all about the... Oh, hey, let's do that for a second. Okay. The... The first three was the formation of the champions, right? 
Right. Then we had that weird one issue with the mind control. And then we had the two-parter that seemed to be about business stuff. Yeah, that was weird. Then we had the champions versus the Russians for four issues. And that that was that was ten pretty rough issues. We are in for ten rough, rough issues again. We're going to be covering Champions 11 through 17, as well as Marvel Supervillain Team-Up number 14, Iron Man Annual number 4, and Avengers number 163. It may seem like we're running around and we're covering huge chunks of the Marvel Universe. Actually... By covering the material we're covering at roughly 9 or 10 issues an episode, we're going to cover literally every appearance of the champions. Literally. This is nuts. <laughs> so, uh, without further ado, to give everybody a little bit of information on who did what, Champions number 11 was written by Bill Mantlo with art by Bob Hall and Bob Patterson. 12 and 13 were by Mantlo with John Byrne and Bob Layton, friend of the show John Byrne, who we love so much over on Uncanny X-Men. This is some of his early work. It's actually led to the series getting a lot of reprints that it doesn't deserve. (laughs) Champions 14 and 15 were uh, written by Bill Mantlo and drawn again by Byrne, but inked by Mike Esposito, who just showed up in the most recent episode of Captain Britain, our little farewell that came right before the Marvel Team-Up Annual Special. Mike Esposito, who's shown up in a few of these, actually. Supervillain Team-Up and Champion 16, two-parter that they are, feature writing by Bill Mantlo and art by Bob Hall. Iron Man Annual 4 has writing by Roger Stern, and it is really, really clear that this is a completely unrelated title champions get shoved into. The art is going to be by champions artist George Tuska, featuring Jeff Acklin, Avengers 163, Jim Shooter George Tuska, and Champion 17, Bill Mantlo George Tuska. It's like five guys just really wouldn't let this book die. No, not at all. Not at all. The issues we're going to be talking about ran from February of 1977 through January of 1977. We're talking about a... I'm sorry, of 1970... Wait. (laughs) So the issues we're going to be talking about run from February of 1977 to January of 1978. That makes a little more sense. (laughs) Kyle, Kyle, save us from this nightmare. Save us from this disaster, Ben. Do me a favor. Would you tell us a little bit about these comics? I don't know if I can. <laughs> I don't really understand what I read. Hey, that makes two of us. Let's see if I can summarize it up a bit. Champions 11 through 13. The champions fight through a gauntlet of completely unrelated villains. They get blasted to space, make stupid decisions, and almost die, but not really. Champions 14 through 15. Ivan leaves. And then bees attack! Bee Nazis? Nazi bees? It's dumb either way. Supervillain Team Up 14 and Champion 16. Magneto wants to team up with Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom has other plans. Everyone is a puppet of Doctor Doom, and Magneto suffers from character assassination. Iron Man Annual 4. Iron Man needs help stopping Modoc. Is that you? how you pronounce it? Uh, it's, you know, as close as anybody ever really needs to get. He's Modoc. Awesome. Okay. So, obviously, he attacks the champions. Obviously. 
then they make up. Obviously. Because this wouldn't be a story involving the champions without everyone fighting each other out of confusion. Uh. <laughs> Avengers 163, Iron Man needs help again. So he summons the champions. Event attacks them again. Seriously, what the hell, Iron Man? What the hell, Iron Man? Champion 17. The end. Thank God. Oh, hey. Random Sentinels and Mutant Hysteria. It's almost like this is an X-Book. Yay. I cannot believe how well you summarized some of that. <laughs> because, uh, you know, I tried summarizing it initially, and I either came up with one-sentence descriptions that were like, People fight. Champions bad. Book end. <laughs> or I wrote these really lengthy, uh, Hercules' villainous past returns. And, you know, I, I just. No. So much is happening, and so little of this book seems to. Okay, I need to make a weird statement. Okay. One of the things we said that we were doing this book because of. No, the only reason we were doing this book is because of the X characters in it. We have Angel and Iceman, plus, hey, we actually got some cool appearances from Beast, so I thought that was kind of fun. That's true. Yes. Other than the couple of lines of dialogue the Beast had in his two-parter, I'm not sure Angel and Iceman had anything to do with these issues. I would agree. They were at best in... It, it sometimes felt more like Iron Man's book. It really did. It really felt like this was just becoming... At some point, they realized this was just an extension of the Avengers. This wasn't really its own identity. Isn't that kind of how we ended up getting the West Coast Avengers? Right. It seems like at this point, they were always trying to find a second way to do Avengers. What's really interesting is they'd for years been trying to find a second way to do X-Men. Mm -hmm. When they finally came up with New Mutants, and when we get to that, that's because they realized there was room to create a school again. The X-Men were no longer the strangest teens of all time. They were now right. adults. They were in their 20s. Life and death matters were much more real. The only kid on the X-Men was Kitty Pride, And of course, once the New Mutants exist, Kitty Pride is nearly demoted to the New Mutants a handful of times. So it looks like they finally thought they'd found their avenue to publish more Avengers stories. But in the effort to shoehorn in Angel and Iceman and bring in that mutant element, you really couldn't homogenize that with Black Widow and Hercules, who already had such a strong bond. And then Ghost Rider always felt out of place, always, when he even showed up. Oh yeah, completely out of place. And half the time, he's just not even there. And they're all like, oh, Ghost Rider's missing again. Right. It is also really, really important that we take a moment and we consider the champions have a very limited library. And to that extent, the champions have pretty complete collections. Now, John Byrne being on champions ups its kind of like retroactive value by the fact that he is such a famous artist and such a defining artist for so many years his material is always going to be looked at more warmly. If you take a look at The Champions, The Complete Collection, which is a title that's available. Wait, seriously? 
Yeah, it contains Champions 1 through 17, Iron Man Annual 4, Avengers 163, Supervillains Team Up 14, as well as Spectacular Spider-Man 1718 and Hulk Annual 7, which we'll be covering next time. The total appearances of the Champions is just shy of double the number of issues of their series. Wow. And as superfluous and as completely unnatural as we're about to say some of this feels to being part of the same title, it is retroactively considered such. It's rough, and we're about to settle into some crap. Let's just start with Champions 11, because the first thing about Champions 11 that kills me is the cover. The cover boasts Hercules, Black Widow, Angel, Ghost Rider, Iceman, and guest-starring Black Goliath, and the cover doesn't actually feature Angel or Ghost Rider. I accept no Ghost Rider because they're clearly in a flying Phantasma car, but Angel literally fucking flies. You'd think they would at least put him there. Yeah, you're bragging about your team roster, but you're the second string title, and half of you are missing, and it's in the sky, and the only one of you who belongs in the sky is missing. (laughs) You're not even good at being bad. What is going on? Also, the sky car on the cover? All red. The sky car inside? Mostly yellow. yellow. And so, you know... Having the opportunity to, you know, go over this, we absolutely look at each other's notes. That's the kind of thing we do. And Kyle, I love that your next note is, of course, they start fighting amongst themselves. (laughs) Because, because apparently Angel has bought faulty equipment, which seems to become something that happens for the rest of the series. Yeah, the whole thing is completely out of control. Angel's value to this team is literally as money bags. That is it. Exactly. Angel does not offer anything to this book. It's something that I thought was really interesting that you and I were discussing. So Kyle and I have discussed whether or not after the shit show that is the champions, if we were going to do the defenders, Iceman, Beast, and Angel are three of the defenders starting when the book revamps with 125. While Beast is a defender off and on, starting with issue 102, we would probably rather wait till the others show up because the Defenders is, frankly, another second-string title. (laughs) The Defenders only has those three characters in it from 125 till its cancellation at 152. That's only 27 issues. That's roughly the contents of the Champions. We decided it was worth sitting down and trying to get through it. But one of the things that came up in that discussion, we've both read a bunch of the 80s material with these characters. We really can't think of too many X-Factor stories that are going to acknowledge any of these characters' time in the Champions or the Defenders. Not at all. It, It seems inconsequential. It really is. And that's in part because if a story wasn't popular... People didn't know it to talk about it. There weren't trades, and reprints were in reprint magazines, and they were really only for popular stories. Frequently, stories that didn't do so well would get left out of reprint magazines, out of whole runs. They would just drop a story that didn't work. As we've seen repeatedly with Uncanny X-Men over an X-Men classic, fill-in issues were never reprinted in X-Men classic. Goes to show you, if your material isn't popular, it's just gonna be skipped in the 70s at Marvel. (laughs) And, man, this material wasn't popular. It wasn't good. I think the thing that really hurts issues 11 to 13, this arc, is once again, it's Hercules stuff. That's really tragic for this title. It really is. He... (sighs) Jeez, I don't even know how to explain how I 
deal about Hercules being part of this. I mean, he's not as bad as Ghost Rider, who just feels completely out of place. But Hercules should be somewhere else. Yeah, because it either needs to be his book or he doesn't fit. Yeah. Those are the only two choices. It's either his book or he doesn't fit. Right. You and I. <laughs> this arc. Oh, man. This arc actually kind of caused a bit of a series detour. <laughs> we Oops. got to meet this wonderful The Stranger, and we decided we would read his other appearances. I'm kidding. We actually had to read something for X-Men and saw that while the X-Men left the arc halfway through, The Stranger came in and finished the arc out. The Stranger's appearance in that arc made the rest of the arc make no sense. I kind of feel that happens again here. Yeah. Because... Some of the stuff this arc includes, at one point, it's a bunch of Western Avengers and Hawkeye leading them, and there's a stampede sequence, and then we still manage to wind up, like, in space, and then we're battling, like, these massively cosmic forces, and... Shadow people. Yeah! I have to jump ahead, because there's something that actually really, really drives me nuts in this whole thing. There's really nothing going on in this book that makes any sense. They just keep sending villain after villain after villain, and there's that whole setup with Black Goliath, and we get a little bit about his book and his title. A little bit? It's like every page they say, hey, check out Black Goliath issue four. Right? They're constantly trying to tell us about this other stuff, and that means we get no the champions from it. Exactly. It, it, the first, The first two books were probably more... Black Goliath than Champion. Oh, absolutely. And then that second issue starts with that eight-page clunky, clumsy fight against Stiltman. And oh, it's the second time they're focusing more on the newer character and not putting enough time into the other characters. No one on the team is growing, and they're not really interacting with each other so much as the idea. And that's definitely one avenue of storytelling, but after 11 issues, nothing seems to be moving forward. It, Iceman and Angel are still trying to make the champions work. That's their whole point in October of 1975, and issue 12 came out in March of 1977, 18 months later, and that could be 21 issues of another title in, you know, the shipping space. This is 12 issues of this, and the characters can't move out of the first conversation they were having in the first issue. It is baffling to me. It really confuses me as, as well. I don't understand why these characters are still trying to be... A a team. Yeah, and I feel like it's bogging down the experience. If you maybe told me that this was like, the champions are just people who come together, they just unite as needed, and like the defenders, and there was a general core roster that I could rely on and I could reasonably go, oh, yeah, they all live in the area, so they just work together, and that would explain number of, you know, the number of characters that don't appear every time. There's so many holes in trying to process this, and it's just so frustrating, and I also need to point out that the ultimate point of this whole arc is actually, for everything we've talked about, right, for everything we've said, the whole point of this arc is the stranger is trying to get Hercules to steal something for him. Right. That's this whole this whole arc. Right, because previously the stranger had brought a giant solar system destroying bomb to Earth, and the only way to stop it is with this item. It has to do with the champions being trapped on the homeworld of Camo Tharn, 
who I think is meant to be a Hercules villain. Like, that's the whole point. This is just, like, a bunch of Hercules villains or something. I, I, I don't even I, know. Like, I, yeah, I don't know either. We just keep finding ourselves in these weird situations where we're like, we did the reading, and we know the material. I'm sure I read this material. Like, I'm sure I understand what I read. I just can't quite figure out how it's supposed to come together and tell a story. Yeah. And, and then it turns out that nothing, nobody realizes that anything happened anyway. So. Yeah. What was the point? And I felt like there was so much attention on Black Goliath, the Stranger, and Darkstar, mm -hmm. that arc, that it was really easy for me to forget that the main characters are supposed to be Black Widow, Hercules, Angel, Iceman, and Ghost Rider. Even in an arc that's supposed to be about Hercules, I felt like Hercules didn't play a part in it, or at least it wasn't about him, he was just in it. The whole thing was just... Okay, so, quick bit of behind-the-scenes stuff. What just happened was... Kyle and I had a bit of an audio technical problem real quick. So while we were green rooming, we were talking about what we were going to cover next. And I actually feel like it's a little too easy to talk about it that directly really quickly. We feel like we covered the last arc as much as anybody possibly can. They all end the same way. There's some amount of champions in fighting. One of the champions says, I'm not sure I trust this team anymore. The other champions are like, finally, we're the champions! And then it all starts again the next issue. It's so true. <laughs> it's so true, right? But, but one, so one of them always goes, oh, but I don't feel like I belong. I don't feel like I'm a champion. Yeah. It's, you're a champion, little horse. So <laughs> I think that... Okay, 1415 is The Swarm, and pretty much it's just The Swarm. There's nothing really good about it. There's nothing really bad about it. It's just like Invasion of the Locust, but it's just The Swarm. If you're a Runaways fan, you may remember The Swarm from that. This is pretty much why The Swarm is known as an L.A. villain. This is... I, do you have anything on this two-parter, Kyle? I really don't. Uh, my only concern is that we get to see Ivan leave. And the last we see of him is he's getting kidnapped. Yeah. Ivan does come back up, and it's really awkward. Mm. But Ivan is a character that winds up lost to canon for a while. And when he reappears, he's bitter that he got lost to canon and wants to take it out on the Widow. Seriously, that's the plot. The other thing that I need to point out, because it's in your notes, not mine. The other really important thing to note about the Swarm, they're not just giant killer bees. No. They're giant killer mechanical bees. Robot bees. They are robo-bees. Why? 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 It makes no sense. Because it's the 70s and anything technological is scary. I also think that you and I have had a couple of comments back and forth about a few things. Now, Kyle and I, I'm, I'm going to really shock the audience. Kyle and I are both gay. What? Um, and in case you, right, and in case you didn't know, so are my husband and boyfriend that also host the show with us. <laughs> Kevo, just Kevo in the background joining in everybody. Kevo from MCU.html, also from the Captain Britain episodes of X's for Podcast, as well as shouting in the background of every episode of Now and Again since the first one. Uh, we are all very aware then, as gay men who read comics, that Iceman came out a number of years ago. It was a massive change to continuity. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And whether or not you like how it was done or 
anything about that. It matters that Marvel took the energy to create a way that one of the original five X-Men is gay. Whether you want to rate it in any direction or not, cool. He's gay. We have him now. That said, Iceman is a really complicated character to have done that with because Iceman is not always the best character. Yeah. Iceman in X-Men Classic number one is so awful. He attacks his new teammates. It does not seem to get much better in the Champions, where, frankly, sometimes Bobby verges on misogynistic. He verges on obsessed and misogynistic. Oh, man, with Darkstar. It's super creepy. Bobby is frequently the subject of storylines with uncomfortable love interests. For instance, he chased after Lorna, who was clearly interested in Alex for a number of Mm -hmm. years in the original run. He has some complicated relationship with Darkstar here. Ultimately, he will settle into a long-term relationship with Opal Tanaka throughout the 80s and 90s. Iceman will go on some weird, weird relationship journeys for a number of years. He will wind up in a relationship for a short time with Mystique in the Mike Carey run. Oh man, that Mike Carey run is so fucking good, though. Oh, holy shit. Oh my god, it's bonkers, bizarre, nuts. It was... The partner run to Ed Brubaker's Rise and Fall of the Shi'ar Empire, which I'm admittedly not as big a fan of, but the Supernova's run of X-Men by Mike Carey that led into X-Men Legacy, I could, to be honest with you, I can't wait to get to that. I hope we get there. I I hope we get to 2006 (laughs) soon. Let's hang in there. Iceman will also go on to have a very short-lived relationship with Kitty Pride. Kitty Pride, who got knocked around the Marvel Universe, love interest to love interest, over and over again. It was really disrespectful of the character. And Iceman also received the same level of disrespect mm-hmm. over and over again. He will become more of an asshole than ever at one point in the early aughts when he is temporarily stuck in perma ice form so we are we are in for some rough ride with bobby drake i want him to be the character we want him to be but it's gonna take a pretty long time that's sad kyle did you have anything else about these two i really don't have anything it was such a i mean like i said earlier these issues are inconsequential there's really nothing going on Well, from nothing going on to everything completely out of character that happens, the next two-parter was a disaster. (laughs) I love Beast. You love Beast. I do. You look like Beast. You get to love Beast, Mm -hmm. right? And I think Beast is one of the more interesting X-Men. Beast will remain one of the most consistently lovable characters, kind of anthema to... Iceman, with the exception of a period of time during Uh, Wheezy Simonson's tenure on X-Factor, which I am not crazy about, and during the rather unlikable Brian Bendis all-new X-Men years, in which Beast makes some of the worst decisions any X-Men has ever made, and we're talking the X-Men here. Beast is going to remain somebody that we can rely on to be a strong, viable character in these books to turn to as uh, the voice of reason. In New X-Men by Grant Morrison, he is tremendous, with the exception of a little too much brooding in Joss Whedon's Astonishing, he will be tremendous again. Here he is 
I, I don't even know what. We have read him in the Amazing Adventures episode. Those of you hanging out with us in Uncanny, we just had that awesome appearance of Beast for six months. He was super great over there in Uncanny. We had him in a Marvel team-up, and a couple of Marvel team-ups, and here I just don't like him. Yeah, I'm not really sure how I feel about him here. He just kind of feels like they threw him in here for no reason. Agreed. And I also think part of the problem is this arc's use of Magneto. Oh, God. I can't... This is... So, I keep referring to something on on Uncanny episodes, uh, how precious Claremont gets about his characters at this point in his personal, you know, storytelling. He becomes very precious about his characters and very territorial, and I don't blame him because he's going to try and accomplish some insane things over the next 10-15 years, some of them very incredible, some of them very impressive, and it took a lot of control to make that happen. This is one of the worst Magneto appearances up through this era in canon, I'll even go 10 years ahead. This is pretty bad for even 10 years ahead of this. And... Yeah, Magneto just comes off looking like a big dumb chump. <laughs> he really does. It's it's like he doesn't even know how to deal with other supervillains. Yeah, he winds up looking like an idiot and an asshole too. Like because sometimes when a writer wants to show that their supervillain is either worse or better or whatever, you see this sort of sense of villains one-upsmanship. Don't get me wrong, Doctor Doom is one of the most fearsome supervillains ever. But it does not seem like here the writers know that Magneto is just as crazy as Doom. Just basically Magneto falls for every basic ploy that Doctor Doom can throw his way. He falls for everything. Like, I mean, seriously, Doctor Doom is just this side of like, drink this, it's not poison, he, he, he. (laughs) And Magneto's like, what if he says the poison then? And like, it's just so ridiculous. Ridiculous! I had trouble believing these were these characters. Definitely unbelievable. We get to the end. The champs that actually show up are... They show up on page 17 of 17. This gets collected in the champion's complete collection. Because of one page. On page 17 of 17. This makes more sense on our show because of our format than it does in a Champions collection. Can't even. And then Champion 16, barely better, but I need to point out that the cover also shows the Champions fighting each other again. What a surprise. And then the Champions have to fight Magneto and Beast for a little while, and that is, there's mind control, and I feel like the mind control is never really clear. Yeah, we... It was never really established that they were being mind-controlled, right? Yeah. What's crazy is the whole plot, this, oh, right, we keep managing to talk about these issues and never actually get to the plot. (laughs) Doom is trying to mind-control the world, but the way they're able to defeat him is they turn his mind-control on himself, which un-mind-controls everyone. Right. Because everything was handled... By the mind control was was by airborne particles, and he had a, his mask that was preventing him from breathing it in. Great news! I'm done with this one. How about you? <laughs> yeah, let's keep moving. There's going to be some really weird stuff going on <laughs> in the next few issues. 
the Iron Man stuff is gonna get weird because at times it seems like this Iron Man annual must have been written, I don't know, a year or two before it was published. One of the first things it says is guest starring Marvel's newest supergroup Supreme. Now here's why I'm kind of angry. This was published October 10th, 1977. The first appearance of the champions is October 1975. This is a two-year-old group. They are no longer new. And everything about this is still being promoted like they're the hot team yeah. Supreme. Unless it's a matter of semantics, where there isn't any other new supergroup, so technically they would be the newest supergroup, maybe. I can't argue that they would possibly argue <laughs> semantics to be able to provide a superlative to this group. Champions, the book most called Champions at Marvel. So, what's really annoying about this annual is the first seven goddamn pages are all Tony Stark's inner monologue, and I swear to God, every page looks exactly the same. It really does. I had trouble figuring out if we were actually progressing anywhere. I was starting to think that I was, I was really starting to think I was really tired while reading it, because I felt like I was reading the same page over and over again. What's really insane is Iron Man is like, oh crap. I need to contact the champions. And by contact the champions, he means fly and destroy the home of. Right. Because they're still recovering from the swar. So every everything has been shut down. What's crazy is, so the, guest, the champions are guest starring in this annual. And annuals always feel like a guest issue in a run. This is clearly an annual that kind of stands on its own from the beginning and the fact that the champions are in it. The champions even get a guest star in that they have Dark Star with them. Well, she, she's kind of the an honorary member at this point, I think. I agree with you. Also, Hercules and Black Widow. Black Widow being like, oh, Hercules, you're just like my daddy. That was so weird. I did not understand that whole panel at all. You know, I really did because I have Scruff and Grinder on my phone. So I totally understand what she's saying. She's just flat out like, hey, daddy. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, you had me speechless there for a second. I'm pretty sure they're supposed to be banging at this point. Like, canonically. (laughs) So, you know. And who can blame him? Who doesn't love being called daddy? I I also think it's really interesting that at this point, pages 8 through 18, they're just a total Champions comic. Like, through and through. It really is. It's even possible to me that this reads like this part was a Champions issue, and they had to figure out a way to build something else into it, so they just sort of shoehorned it in. Already in an issue about MODOK coming back, and MODOK is, a, mm-hmm. you know, an organism designed only for killing. MODOK makes a guy right. named Strike. That's so generic. I just want to point out that Strike says, like, really crabby dialogue, like, I was designed for punching, but given the desire to love it. And, like, it's just so bad. (laughs) It is so bad. The dialogue is just so horrible. I need to point out that the one thing I do think is interesting is Iron Man is like, this guy's beating on me so hard I have to run away. Uh, So Darkstar gets injured. Much sad. And the ending says, as for the fate of Darkstar, check out Champion 16 and don't miss an issue of their blockbuster bi-monthly book. Okay, first of all, they mean Champions 17, right? And also, they're advertising the final issue as don't miss a issue of the hit series, basically. 
is it i i really feel like this was written well before they decided to cancel it and before 16 came out they must have re rearranged the releases or something i have to agree with you because nothing about this is actually the impact it's supposed to be part of it is dark star's not actually injured in the next issue She's just fine. And she wasn't injured in the supervillain team-up issues either. So right. it's not like Darkstar being injured was just told out of order in some way. It's just like it was dropped. It's like it was just dropped. But before we even get back to Champions to drop it, we're going to continue this <laughs> Iron Man disaster. And Oh, God. Truly, this, this Iron Man, this Avengers issue, Avengers one sixty three. This is a mess. It's the worst. It's the worst thing we've had to do for this series by far. Um, I still think Stiltman was worse than this. You know what? I'm a Daredevil fan, so Stiltman is just old hat for me. Okay, I, I'm just so used to dealing with I'll Stiltman. Give you that. Yeah, this is just okay. The plot of this issue is that Typhon, a Hercules villain, is forcing Iron Man to attack Hercules. Iron Man does this by summoning the champions and attacking all of them, basically? But it's part of a plan. Yeah, I, I, I think so. It's, it's so bad, and it's not even really clear what happens. Right. By page 14 of 18, finally, Hercules and Iron Man kind of collapse while fighting. And at this point, we vaguely understand that Typhon is forcing Iron Man to fight Hercules. My point is, I've read issues of Champions that start with a one-page introduction that would have summarized all 14 of these pages. Oh yeah, there was just so much pointless fighting and then fleeing, all to have us go back to Typhon, then he freaks out. There was really nothing going on, and in the end, Pluto just pulls Typhon out. Pluto just goes, nope, my plan's not going to work. Swoop. (laughs) That's it. So this, in many ways, feels like a follow-up to the first arc of the Champions about Hercules and to the second arc of the Champions about Hercules. But for some reason, it's called Avengers 163. Yeah. It features Iron Man, who was in their last adventure, just as unimportant important to that adventure. It has Beast, who was in the supervillains team-up issues. It almost feels like Iron Man and Beast were at one point meant to join the champions. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Otherwise, we had three issues of Beast and two issues of Iron Man out of nowhere. Yeah, I could actually see that. If champions had done better, I could definitely see them trying to shift people around. And just imagine... Pulling out Ghost Rider and Ivan oh God, and replacing them with Darkstar, mm-hmm. Beast, and Iron Man to round out this team, it would actually make them constantly fighting gods a little bit easier. Yeah. We would also probably not see so many of the dumb Claremont fill-ins where Hercules and Black Widow got mind-controlled because <laughs> we would have Tony Stark and we would have access to Iron Man and that catalog. So once we have access to more characters' catalogs, right? Every time you pull together a team and you get those characters' villains, having 
Angel and Iceman gave them some X-Men villains, and in 17 we do see some X-Men villains. Having Hercules clearly gave them Hercules' backstory, and man, they loved using that. They pretended that they enjoyed using Black Widow's backstory, and said there was an arc all about her, and then it turned out to not be about her at all. It turned out to be about Ivan, and then they immediately wrote him out. It just seems to me like the Champions was about to undergo a radical transformation as a title when they instead decided just to cancel it to save money and time. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I don't think there's anything left to do then, but read what is so clearly never have meant to have been the final issue of the Champions. There was no way this was meant to be the final issue. Yeah. By the time that the issue is over, you're confused, the heroes are confused... The, the the writer is definitely confused. The world is confused. Oh, for sure. <laughs> the cover says, Champion's Last Stand. It's an ex-villain. It's the Sentinels. The X-Men are pretty big at this point. Makes sense. And we have the cover. We have Ghost Rider. We have Black Widow. We have Hercules. But there's no Dark Star who we're told to read this issue to find out the fate of. Right. The villains, this is the second string mutant club. For a book that's the second string hero club, these are the worst ex-villains you could have found. <laughs> Blob, Eunice, and Lorelai. And then it turns out the Vanisher is vaguely somehow behind all of this. I can't even, I, I don't even know. Maybe they could have found us Blob's sidekick, Goop. I just feel like there's just nothing here. 17 is the worst, worst issue of Champions proper. It's because they don't have anywhere else to go at this point. I agree with you. They don't have anywhere else to go, and they certainly don't have anywhere to proceed to, because this is the final issue. The only thing they introduce, they're like, LOL, uh, uh, read it soon. Oh, yeah! (laughs) They have no idea what to do. They are panic-stricken right. because the book ends abruptly. I actually don't think there's much of a plot yep. in this final issue either. No, it's just sentinels fighting, punch-punch. The whole thing yep. feels really hollow, and it really doesn't feel like a good last issue. It really doesn't. It's anticlimactic. It feels like it doesn't even feel like a good issue, never mind a good last issue. And that's kind of the problem we keep running into with the champions. We keep saying, well, you know, it's not a great issue, or... Well, it's no, the truth is a lot of these stories don't feel really complete. They don't feel really well thought. They feature big name characters from their big name eras, and they feature a lot of well-known writers and creators. That's not the same thing as the book having inherent value. I'm wondering if maybe there were just too many big names and too many big characters that it just made it too difficult for them to work with at this point in time. Yeah, and you know, when I think about the way the book shook out, We did have a bunch of X-Men influence all said and done. We had Beast show up, Magneto show up, Eunice, Lorelai, Blob, and Vanisher. That's And the Sentinels. That's a considerable amount of X-Men stuff. We had a ton of Hercules, as we discussed. There was the Russian invasion for four issues, and then Darkstar stuck around. Yep. There was never anything for Ghost Rider, and that showed over and over again. Yeah. They did nothing with him. They did absolutely nothing with him. But that might be because he had his own ongoing at that point. Yes. Well, he had his own ongoing at the beginning of this. Yeah, so that's why he he kept disappearing. He didn't really feel like he was part of the team. But man, they still loved putting him on the cover. I wonder if he was someone who sold well. Maybe? And maybe they were just like, utilize him to increase sales. I don't know. But either way, Kyle... 
we have so little champions left. I'm so excited. Some of what we're going to be covering next time isn't even properly champions. It is additional appearances of Angel, Iceman, and the Beast as they appear in the Marvel Universe before we see them again, either those of them who will appear in Dark Phoenix Saga or later on in New Defenders. And it just seemed like we should catch those last few appearances. There's a couple of Marvel 2-in-1s, and if we're going to cover a Marvel team-up with Spider-Man, we're certainly going to cover the ever-loving blue-eyed thing. Can't, Definitely. Can't skip Ben Grimm. Yeah. But... Kyle, it has been such a roller coaster with you. We have managed to turn the champions into a a journey we will try desperately to forget. Until we come back together. What have we done? Uh, who are we? Are we? Are we? <laughs> I, I I don't remember. I'm trying not to. Well, if you can't remember who you are, can you at least remember where your fans can find you? I think so. Uh, they can find me both on Twitter and Instagram at Durantis82. And as always, you can find me all over the Cage Club network on shows like mcu.html, where my husband Kevo and I dissect the Marvel Cinematic Universe, more or less. You can find me always on Now and Again with Chris Podcast, the guy who brought me to this amazing network where we take a look at the Now That's What I Call Musics. By now, you've heard the pretty cool announcement we have. It's going to be a really different year for now, and we really hope you guys like some of the cool stuff that we've got coming your way. Finally, the Emotion Minute. Not to mention... You can always check out the other episodes of X's for Podcasts like Captain Britain with Kevo or Uncanny X-Men with Jonah. And this guy, Kyle, he's always guest starring on the other episodes too. So there's a lot of fun to be had. You can check out my super inclusive comic book, Riot Squad, over at KidRiotComics.com, where we have two titles running monthly books for free. You can also check me out on Instagram at NicoAction. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. Okay, man. It's hard not to find me these days. But, Kyle, until we take one more stab at the champions and we polish these bad boys off. Wait, no, I already did that part. Till next time. Till next time. Yeah, man, this, I'm going to leave that in because this, the, the champions have broken my brain. Till next time, we'll see ya. <laughs> see ya.